What is up, everyone? Welcome back to the Rockcast brought to you by Onyx Hunt Maps. Today, I have one of our rock slide riders, Josh Boyd, on, and we're going to talk some gear and, yeah, just how the season went. What's up, Josh? How are you doing, Jordan? Good. Doing yeah. Doing good. Watching it. Uh, watching it rain in Boise, if you can imagine. Okay. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm just digging myself out of a massive snowstorm up here, and um, now it's raining. We have about three feet of snow in the yard. Now it's raining on it, so it's it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Finally, did you guys <laughs> get much moisture this fall at all? Yeah, it's been a really wet year up here oh. um, from a precip standpoint. We're well ahead at normal. Just in this corner of the state, though, the rest of the state seem like it's really dry um, and it's lagging. It's also lagging in snowpack, too, in the other parts of the state. But up here, we're, we're well over 100% of the average. I would say we're, you know, right. Well, after this dump, I bet you were 130% of normal. Oh, man. Yeah. that's that's crazy yeah down here not so much i think there's a lot of snow like more a little more northern like a more central part of the state like where you start getting into the mountains i think they're starting to get more snow but like this fall it was pretty it was pretty mild there was like a couple of snowstorms but it melted yeah. pretty fast yeah we didn't have a lot of snow but we had a lot of precip that came down in the form of rain so that really brought our levels up as far as like soil moistures and stuff like that. But we really started building snowpack probably around the middle of December. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. Which is good. Everything's, the streams are low. The lakes were low. Uh, yeah. We just, we just needed a good recharge. Good. Yeah. Glad you guys are, are getting it. So how was your fall? Like overall, what was, what was it like? Oh, my fall was awesome. I had such a fun, fun hunting season. I just from the amount of time I spent out in the mountains, it was, it was unbelievable. Um, you know, I had, it was fairly successful too. I killed some nice animals, but I just got to hunt a lot and the weather was nice and I saw a lot of animals. I just, I don't know. I had a great time. Um, archery season was kind of slow for me I, you know i got into some nice bulls some nice big bulls that were clo real close to getting shot um you know tension on the string two more steps and you know i'm drawing sort of situation but i just it wouldn't come together we did have some issues with wind we had a lot of swirling wind this year so it seemed like when the conditions were good for the elk to be really active and and responsive to calling the wind was really just kind of all over the place. There were, I had spent a lot of time just kind of hanging out, waiting for the wind to die down. And there were some days where it never died down. And really, you know, and we had, you know, at one point we had like four bulls screaming in this basin, but the wind was everywhere. So we just laid there, me and my buddy, Jared, we just kind of laid there on the hillside all day, listening to a bugle. Went to bed that night in our bivy sacks and they just started cranking again right you know right before dark and they bugled all night long and we woke up in the morning same thing wind's just ripping and uh, it was the last day we were going to be in there so we thought we'd try to slip in there but it, when the wind is unsteady like that you know what the outcome is going to be so we, we we blew them out of there basically 
but yeah. it was a good fall. I mean, I had a great, great season in archery. And then, you know, I had a friend come up in October. I don't, do you know Sloan Brown? I do. Yeah. Yeah. He came up and we've been talking about doing a bear hunt together for a long time. And this year he, he finally slipped it into his schedule of fun that he has on his calendar. He does. <laughs> and that guy lives the life. But yeah, he came up, we camped um, and hunted. It was tough though. I mean, you know, we had a really dry fall, dry summer. The berry crop pretty much failed. So it was really hard finding bears and we hunted hard um, and ended up finding the last night that he was here. We found a, we switched locations probably four times, five times. And this was sort of my last spot i'm like wow we gotta go check this spot out you never know it's it's kind of a drier site but boy we're not finding them where i typically am finding bears so we went over and ended up plopping down on this hillside and probably within the first 15 minutes sloan's like there's a bear right there it was the first bear we saw in his whole trip he was here we ended up sneaking in and um he used my rifle to to shoot his first big chubby fall bear nice which was awesome yeah it was a beautiful chocolate sow like five and a half foot sow it was a, a solid bear yeah good bear um really fat considering i mean which i was happy considering we had such a poor berry crop so we we boned it out and um took all the fat he was really interested in rendering the fat because i've been doing that for a few years and i I've been kind of telling him about it and getting them amped over it. And so he took a, almost all of it home. I have one big chunk of bear fat in my freezer I need to render, but he took almost all of the fat home. We put him in these Yeti hoppers and checked him as carry on. And he's been rendering fat and hopefully he's making biscuits and pie crust with it. Nice. Yeah, that nice. stuff is amazing. I was not, I was not too excited about it when I first heard about like, making stuff with bear uh -huh. fat but man after uh trying it in pastries and it makes the best pie crust hands down really yeah, yeah it's unbelievable hmm. Gosh, we so, want to try that. yeah yeah definitely i would recommend it if anybody i mean i wouldn't do it with like a like a salmon bear in alaska but you know here we have bears that live pretty much on berries in the summer and in the fall and their meat is just, it smells incredible. Like when you cut one open, a lot of times it just smells like fruit. No way. And the, and the fat, if they've been living on huckleberries for three months, the fat will have almost a purplish hue to it. No so way. That's, that's awesome. I've only been around spring bears. So mm, I haven't been around yeah. falls at all. Yep. Totally. Like they smelled completely different in my mind, at least here. I mean, bears always kind of smell like what they eat. Yeah. It seems like so if it's eating a dead cow or winter kill for, you know, a month in the spring and then switches over to grass might not be the best, but the, uh, the, the berry bears are incredible. Nice. The only problem with fall bear hunting is it interferes with, uh, the elk rut. Yeah. The, you know, the best time to kill a nice chubby bear is late September. And usually I'm not willing to do that. Yeah, but if I've killed an elk, I'll definitely jump in and do it. And this year, 
I told Sloan, come up regardless. We're going to do it. We've been talking about it for four years, so we better get hunting. And, and finally, we finally got him a nice bear. It was awesome. Nice. Uh, rolling back a little bit to those elk when they were, the winds were just shifty. Yeah. Like at what point, like, was there a point in your younger years that you would have just heard bulls screaming and just took off right to them? Oh yeah. Yeah. It, it, I progressed throughout my uh, hunting career. <laughs> uh, you know, when I was younger, when I first started hunting, I heard a bull bugle and the wind was a little off and like, Oh, hustle in there and see how close I can get and see what happens. Um, and of course the wind swirls and they're gone. All it takes is, you know, a five second breeze blowing in their direction and that your scent is, you know, in their nostrils. And then, you know, as I aged a little bit, I would hang back and I would hang on the hillside for a couple hours. And if they were just cranking, I'd lose patience and just try it. And the same outcome would occur. And now I, I mean, I've gone, I've just sat there for an entire day. If the wind's not right and the bulls are bugling in these spots and I know where they're at, I am not going to blow them out. So I'll just hang back. I mean, uh, it just takes patience. And I think that just comes with, with uh, a bunch of time in the mountains or it comes with age or whatever. Maybe there's younger guys that are way smarter than, than I was, but um, yeah, earlier in, earlier in my hunting career, I would just charge in and the outcome would be the same. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. I'm hoping to get more into archery elk. Like I've killed a couple bulls with my bow, but they were, mostly spot and stock like one was a little herd bull but that was a spot and stock situation too oh, okay. found him and, and got in on him and then that late archery bull in arizona um, yeah. and like we dabbled it in a little bit this year but i just i have a hard time pulling my mule deer goggles off oh to, yeah to pull down pull down to elk country but i'm hoping this year like archery elk season i'll get little more into it and get some more uh, get a little more knowledge under my belt yeah oh it's fun I, I i love it i mean it's it's one of the things that really drives me every year to get into the mountains and that's archery elk it's i ever since i was a little kid that's all i wanted to do is bow hunt elk and, and you know i think i've been fairly successful at it and this upcoming year i i i need it's been a couple of years since i've killed a bull with my bow and it's driving me nuts um I, I need to, uh, I need to get back into that groove. I had a streak going for a long time where I, it was like 17 years in a row. I think I killed a bull Dang. with my bow and, and that, that streak is long gone, but, uh, God, I'd love it. So the mule deer thing is fun. I, I enjoy it, but I also, you know, in Montana, we have the opportunity to hunt later, like in the rut yep. for mule deer. And that's kind of where I've been. I I mean, last year in 2020, I went in and hunted mule deer with my bow, but you know, typically I will hunt just, uh, we went to, we went to Colorado this year for four season and had some good luck there for whatever reason. Like I just, I really like the late season elk. Like I would rather do like late season elk with a rifle, like any so far over archery hunting. <laughs> that's funny because i i'm the exact opposite that's like when when the rifle comes out for elk it's like god this is about to get really hard 
Yeah. <laughs> but it sounds like you had a great time in Colorado and it sounds like yeah. you, you kind of found some good stuff there the previous year when you were there with Robbie. Yeah. Yeah, we did. And that, that kind of like tipped me into it. There's a lot of people around like, um, especially last year there was, that was during, let's see, third season. There's just a lot of people around and then just so happened like this year, the dates lined up for Thanksgiving when I wasn't going to have any hunters in Nebraska. So. Oh, perfect. Yeah. We decided to, to do that. So that'll probably be something that we do for a while just cause those dates like really line up. Right. Yeah. And, um, and you're yeah. close by too, relatively speaking. Yeah. Not too far. Like it's a day drive, but oh. you make it, you know, it's not that bad. Yeah, I've never hunted Colorado. It's it's uh it's a ways from from Montana. Yeah. So I just I've never really um a friend of mine was trying to talk me into hunting down there. It was I don't know what season it was, might have been fourth, early, early November-ish. Um, for elk and they he had, well, I've hunted with these two guys quite a bit, and they went down and it sounds like they walked around a lot. So I saw a few elk, but not many. Yeah. And they both ended up coming home without punching their tags. So yeah, yeah, I don't really regret not going. It would have been a fun, fun little adventure, but I was having a hard time convincing myself to, you know, buy a Colorado tag and go all that way for a lot of unknowns. That's a, yeah, that's a lot of, uh, it's a lot of money for a lot Mm -hmm. of unknowns and like a lot of time that you probably could be spending probably during mule deer season yeah exactly yeah yeah yep and that was another thing it's like well i could go down to colorado on an expensive out-of-state tag not knowing how it's even going to be and i know last year it was a lot different conditions down there um or the other option for me is hang out here and hunt deer which is good because i i killed an elk in early rifle here in Montana, which is, you know, mid-October at start, well, kind of later October. Um, And then I could focus on, on hunting like bigger deer. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's what I decided to do instead of go to the Colorado. Yep. So did you do like early mule deer this year with your bow? I didn't. No. Oh, you didn't. Okay. Gotcha. No, no. I did the year before. And I ended up, you and I talked about it on a previous podcast, but I ended up missing a a really nice buck and uh, broke my heart when that happened. But no, this year it just didn't line up. I didn't have time to scout a whole lot in the summer. Um, I was, I had a big uh, river restoration project I was helping out with. So I, I was working remotely for about five to six weeks or so. Um, so I wasn't really around and on the weekends I'd, I'd come home to the family and stuff. I wasn't really willing to tell them I'm going to go hike into the mountains and glass from mule deer on these two days off. And be to be honest with you, I was so worn out. I, I would come home and just reset for a day, repack, go buy groceries and I'd head back out early Monday morning. So it just, yeah. I just didn't have time to scout for mule deer. So I didn't, I just didn't go up into the mountains with blind blindly looking for a buck you know i'm not saying i couldn't have found one but um 
I just yeah. didn't feel like I was, you know, at the top of my game. Yeah. Yeah. You want the want to feel like the odds are tipped in your favor a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For yeah. Sure. We, don't, we don't have a lot of mule deer, so it's, it's nice to be able to find one and then mm-hmm. kind of hunt that particular buck if you can locate him, you know, in the basin that he's living in. But this year that just wasn't in the cards. Yeah. It happens. It yeah. happens. What, uh, in like your, I was just in the season as a whole, what did you see for, like, what's your perspective on the overcrowding and a lot of people in the field, do you see it? Yeah, I did. Um, yeah, there, it was busy. It was busy out there. I mean, where I was hunting elk, there were more people in the backcountry than I would have ever fathomed. And a lot of them were from out of state there. I mean, it was amazing where, I mean, I was back, I backpacked into the site that had a lot of elk in it, but like there were camps everywhere. And most of them were like guys from like South Dakota. I think I ran into some guys from Maryland. Jeez. There's a guy from New York with his buddy they'd been hunting that area for a long time for years with longbows but there's a mm-hmm. bunch of people that have never been there they just kind of scouted it e-scouted it they had tags they all had the latest lightest you know most advanced backpack hunting gear that you could probably buy and there were i mean they were everywhere back there it was unbelievable um and then the front country, I dropped out of the front country and it was like, it was pretty crazy how many people were like, just parked along the road, just hunting, just random spots off Anywhere. the main road. So yeah, it was insane. Um, and then I went back and hunted it in rifle season and it was kind of the same deal. I mean, just people all over. I just ran into people just randomly walking in front of you and just walking up behind you. But, you know, I mean, you still, I was still successful, but it was, it was really busy. And I I went on a mule deer hunt into central Montana with a buddy of mine to one of his spots that he'd hunted for years. And it's this little tiny corner of BLM that you could kind of jump down into this canyon and we backpacked well well, we parked there at this little spot to jump in the night before and we're just going to stay in his camper and then head out in the dark got six trucks pulled in that night and parked right next to us and a lot of them were like well one guy's like well you guys are here i guess i'm just going to drop in tonight and just camp down in there tonight and then two more guys pulled in and then the, the next truck pulled up. He's like, man, what is going on? He's like, I'm just going to camp here and go hunt somewhere else in the morning. So yeah, it was, it was busy. And my buddy Brett was like, man, I have never seen anybody in here ever. And it was not an easy hunt. I mean, it was that kind of that breaky country. So it's yeah. just straight up, straight down, really loose soil, hard hiking in it. And, you know, if you killed something in there, you would have had to pack it quite a ways up and out so it wasn't an easy hunt but there were a lot of guys doing it so yeah it was a busy year for sure for yeah. people did you find like even though there was a lot of people and you you know you were still able to get it done did it did it seem like animals were like running around like they were getting pushed a lot 
No, no. I Well, I guess in, in elk season, yeah, a little bit, especially elk rifle in that early part of the year. And archery, yeah, a little bit. They were pretty jumpy. Um, but for the most part, I would say, like, when I was hunting deer and running into people, no, everything was pretty well, just just as is, just normal. That's nothing, nothing crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so like talking about some of the like the archery hunts and stuff you went on you were shooting a new bow this year too mm -hmm. can you talk about that a little bit yeah i i uh tested and reviewed the hoyt's new ventum 33 um it's on the rock uh yeah it's on the rock slide main page yep so you can read the review um you can read a thread that's associated with it um, but yeah, it's a great bow. Um, they switched over to kind of a binary style cam last year. It was kind of their first nice. time moving away from that cam and a half. And, you know, it's a split limb model. It's got um, 33 inches axle to axle. The Ventum is the machined aluminum riser. And Let's see, it is, it's pretty speedy. I mean, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, it was super quiet um, and it was really accurate. It shot really well. I didn't have any issues tuning it. And uh, some people had to move some spacers around. I was reading on some of the forums, um, but mine came factory set and it was like, like what I mean by moving spacers around the spacers on either side of the, the cam on the axle. They, you can get like some different thicknesses of spacers and swap them around to kind of move your, your cam back and forth across the axle to kind of line up your, um, I don't know, your cam movement with your arrow flight down the center of your riser. Um, I didn't have to do that at all, but, um, and I thought it was pretty speedy as well. But the, how quiet it was at the shop was unbelievable and just, you know, really? vibration free. But, you know, the one drawback, I you know, is it was pretty heavy. It's a heavy right. bow. Mm -hmm. um, but that being said, it does hold steady when it's, you know, you're full draw. Gotcha. So it, it does. It doesn't wiggle when you're when you're anchored in. So that, I think that adds into its inherent accuracy. But packing it around in the mountains was, yeah. I, I mean, I'm fine with it, but I would yeah. have preferred a lighter bow. I've got a uh, an RX3 carbon fiber bow from Hoyt from a few years ago, and it's quite a bit lighter, and it's a lot nicer to pack around in the woods. But it, you know, doesn't shoot quite as well. It's got a little more vibration in it. Um, it's 10 feet a second slower. So this, this new Ventum is awesome. And I think they just came out with a Ventum Pro. They just launched sometime in December. Maybe it was in November. Time is getting compressed nowadays. But yeah. um, it I don't know what the differences are between the 2021 Ventum 33 and the Ventum Pro. Um, but you have to get, people can get on their website and see what the differences are. I, they might've just kind of fine-tuned the, the cam profile on it. I'm not hundred percent sure. And uh, then the next thing, some of this where I'm coming up with uh, some of these questions is pretty soon there's going to be a Rockside article coming out. That's basically takes all the Rockside writers and moderators and they uh, 
who's doing it this year? I think William Hansen is kind of facilitating it this year. And we give them like our top five gear picks. And so that's going to be coming up for too much longer. I'm just reading down the gear picks that you have. Um, yes. Yeah, there's some of these questions. So I think we're going to do a podcast on it too at some point, basically just like oh, yeah. a podcast version of the, of the article. Um, but the next thing that you have down is the sick gear dew point, which sounds like with the moisture you guys had, you had to use that a lot this year. Yeah, I, I use it a fair bit. I use it a lot this spring when I was spring bear hunting. Um, it was launched early this year. Actually, I had some of the stuff in late 2019, like a pre-production version of it. Um, so I used it in late 2019 that fall. And then I had, I used it a bunch, all of, was it 2019? No, must've been 2020. Sorry. COVID compresses my brain Yeah, from a timeline standpoint. Um, 2020, I used it fall of 2020. And then into the spring of 2021, I used it a bunch, really wet spring up here. Um, it was great. I use it spring bear season a ton. Um, and then of course I used it all fall, but it's so small and lightweight that I, you know, I would put it in my pack almost every trip out. Um, you know, I want to say it's for the set. It's like a pound and a half. Let me get the numbers. Oh no, it's not even that. It's like 1.3 pounds for the the pant and the jacket in a medium and um that shaves about a quarter pound off the old version i had the old version as well but it was in the older um open country pattern the new version i have it in the the new subalpine the newer subalpine pattern and um it's lighter more packable and just as durable if and it has a few more features on it like big long zip pits um the pockets are better i think especially as far as like getting in behind your bino harness that sort of thing so yeah love that that piece of gear nice um gosh next thing this is this is interesting that asiac equipment binocular mount he's been trying to send me one of these forever and i was in the field for a lot of it and um when I got back, I guess a package got taken off our front porch, I guess. I don't know. We never oh. got it. Um, he's sending me another one, but it's the, yeah, it's that Asiac equipment binocular mount. And yeah. it's kind of hard to explain. I guess it's just a clamp that goes around the barrel of one side of your binocular and clamps on. Can you give just a little rundown of that? Yeah. Um, so I use most of the time I'm using these Leica Geovids, these HDBs. And so they don't have like a, a way to mount them to a tripod without putting them in a, like a big clamp. I know the Leica version is like a, 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 like a, a big tray that you rubber strap your binoculars in Whatever it is, it's all big and bulky and heavy. Um, you can't put like a sportsman stud in it because that's where the laser sits right in the hinge. So you have to figure out a way to mount them and the, the options that are out there, not that great. Um, so when I saw this Asiac on, I think I saw it on Instagram, I reached out and 
and said, man, those are pretty awesome. And I bought one from him, but it's just a little like a composite clamp that goes over. He makes them in different diameters. So it just goes over your one side of the barrel. And then on the bottom of it, there's a Arca Swiss plate, like a little tiny Arca Swiss compatible mount. Um, there's a thread underneath there too. So you can thread a different mount onto it if you need to. But I run everything that I use is Arca Swiss. So it just mounts directly onto my tripod and then I just run it from there. Um, but it, it stays on there permanently, not permanently, but you can leave it on there because it goes on with a little screw. But it doesn't interfere with um, pulling it in and out of the bino harness. And it's just, it's lightweight, it's trim. I mean, it weighs like less than an ounce. Um, I've not had any issues with it. I've used it maybe, I got it in like mid-November. So I had just, you know, a couple weeks ago on it. Um, but I had zero issues with it. You know, it didn't, didn't break, didn't crack. It stayed mounted in the tripod. It seemed secure. Um, yeah, I was, uh, you know, I'm really happy with it at this point. Awesome. It wasn't, was it weird at all having it, the binoculars kind of offset from your head? No, because that's the way I've always run those, uh, those geovids. Oh, they're always off to the side. Cause I've got, I had this, this weird outdoorsman clamp. It's like this big machine aluminum V Mm-hmm. Then it's got this ratchet strap that goes over the top. So you can only clamp one, one side in. So I, I've always used them that way. So it wasn't that, that weird for me. Gotcha. Sweet. Yeah. I think that that's, that's an option that, that folks should certainly check out, especially if they can't put like the outdoorsman's on or something like that. I'm excited to, I'm excited to use it. I'm so like, I'm so used to using the outdoorsman stuff and it, it's just all compatible that it uh, makes me a little nervous switching or trying something else, but I'm excited oh. to, to give it a shot, you know? Yeah. I, you know, I've used these Arca Swiss kind of style mounts forever. They, they're really secure. Um, and my spotting scope has a, a, a plate built onto it or just screwed nice. onto it. So before I would have to like, take this outdoorsman like whatever it is this big cumbersome attachment mechanism and mount it to my tripod put my binoc in it ratchet it down and start glassing then if i needed to move i would have to take the ratchet apart put my binos in the harness and then take the mount off of the tripod but now everything's just attached to the binoc and i don't have to worry about that anymore and if I want to just swap out my scope real quick to, to verify the size of something, it's just super easy. I just pop it off, throw my scope on. It's just more convenient for me, especially yeah. using those, those geovids. Gotcha. Yeah. It looks I don't, slick. yeah, I don't know how it would compare. I've never used the sportsman stud. Um, so I can't really, can't really say how it would compare to, to that system. Gotcha. Gotcha. So the next thing that you've got up, which I thought was really interesting, the Hammer Hunter Bullet. And I had never even heard of these guys. Oh, yeah. That's a smaller company. They're over at Big Fork, Montana. Um, they make a machined all copper monumental bullet. Uh, most of them are 
pretty slick designs. You know, they have a high BC associated with them. Um, they've got like a interesting little groove pattern kind of down the sides of the main bullet body to um, kind of alleviate some pressure. So it allows the, the riflings to engrave into those grooves. So, you know, all copper bullets, they generate a little more friction in the bore because they don't get, they don't squeeze and get deformed like a lead bullet does. So those little grooves will kind of help alleviate pressure. But yeah, I started using them two years ago on my 28 Nosler and I stepped up to putting them in my 300 Ultra Mag last year, um, mainly for the fact that I could get online and buy a hundred bullets from them like right now. There, there's no shortage of bullets from these mm-hmm. guys. They're just cranking stuff out. They're always in stock. I haven't had an issue with having them out of stock and they perform well. I don't shoot like ultra long range. So um, I don't know how they perform, you know, out, you know, like 800, 900 yards on an animal. And I probably will never find that out. But, um, you know, mm-hmm. this year I shot animals from 40 yards, like super close in the timber you know, out to 500 yards and, you know, they've been phenomenal performance wise, you know, they, the, they have three, they have pedals that will separate. So when they hit their hollow point, so they'll hit those pedals will separate and they actually will kind of create some damage outside of the main bullet wound channel, but that, that copper shank will keep penetrating. And, um, I've not found a bullet yet. They've been complete pass-throughs, but the wound channels have been pretty significant. I was uh, super happy with them. Awesome. Do they make do they make a bullet for like all calibers? Yes, they've got a ton of different calibers. They have a whole bunch of different weights and a whole bunch of different shapes. Nice. So yeah, if you get on their website, you can look at almost anything that they make and you know um they make some that are like super long super high bc but you typically have to have a really fast twist twist rifling to shoot those um mainly because you know for its weight copper will always be longer than a lead bullet you know the weight's identical so the ones i'm shooting out of my 300 ultra were 199s and i think they recommend a one in nine twist as a minimum for that bullet um, and I, yeah, they shoot great for me. I mean, I was getting incredible accuracy out of them and high velocity. So I was super happy with them. Nice. I'll keep shooting uh, them for a while. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Always nice to know there's like another option. Um, if you're into the reloading and stuff. Yeah. Um, the next one, I guess, lastly is the Catula micro spikes. Yeah. Oh, those things are awesome. Yeah. Do you have you ever worn these? Yeah, Jordan? I have in, in Kodiak, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's places and times where they you don't want to have them on. You know, if it's really wet snow and the ground's kind of warm, you'll start to get, you know, the snow will ball up under your foot yeah. and every three steps you're kicking snow off. But when the conditions are right, they are amazing. They they give you so much traction. I, I can't believe more people don't use them or don't even know about them. Yeah. They, I think, I think people just think, you know, like, uh, you know, like a crampon style thing is for goat hunts and sheep hunts and 
not really for everyday stuff, but like even though on Kodiak we were on a we were on a mountain goat hunt, it wasn't because we were in slick rocks. It was because we were on freaking slick grass. Right. Yeah, I use mine anytime we get like two to three inches of snow and I'm still hunting timber. It just gives me so much confidence in my foot placement. I don't even have to think about slipping. I can just take a step. I don't care what's under the snow. It can be a wet, you know, slippery branch that's down there and those spikes will bite in usually. So I can just creep along and focus on hunting instead of focus on walking and not falling down. And, yeah, and they're not too expensive. No, I think they're like 60 or 70 bucks. Yeah. Something like that. At least yeah, the ones that I have. Pair. Yeah. They're not, I mean, they're like, they're basically it's like a rubber type material. It goes around the top of your boot and then it's like chains with little spikes underneath of it. Um, but they're not that heavy either. No. And occasionally, you know, they're a little loud. Sometimes yeah. I'll hear them jingle under my foot, um, but barely. So, I mean, usually I don't. And I've never lost one. Uh, yeah, they've been amazing. I, I, I think everybody should have a pair if they hunt, you know, in, in conditions where it's even not even snowy, but if it's just wet and steep with wet grass, bare grass, blow down, it just gives you such confidence in your footsteps. Yeah, um, I think they definitely stay on better with a boot that has some kind of a, like a heel lip on it. I guess that makes sense. I don't use boots yeah. without those, so I, yeah, I, know. I would think that would help. Yeah, there's some of those, like, a lot of people like those um, Solomon Quest boots and things like that. They just don't have enough of a heel and, like, those, they're going to kick off. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. But and if people are looking at traction devices, I, I'm gonna say right now, don't buy yak tracks. I mean, they're not even close to the same thing. They're made for walking down a slightly wet, slippery sidewalk, and that's about it. Yeah. But these you micro spikes are way different. Yeah, they're aggressive. Yeah. Pretty yeah. I, I wore them a bunch in, in November. You know, we had a fair bit of snow in November, and I Yeah, I want. Yeah. Well, I I still hunted whitetails with a bunch, and I could just creep along. I didn't have to worry about slipping and sliding. Nice. What uh, what boots were you kicking around this year? I ran the. Let's see, what were they? Um, well, I've been using. I still been using those La Sportiva Trango cubes which I really like. Yeah. They discontinued them. I know. Um, those, those new equal equilibriums are coming my way though. I'm going to have a pair of those coming. Me too. Yeah, me um, too. I need to get on and get some of them bought now that we can, it's about time to start um, applying my physical fitness a little more. The, I also used the Hanbogs for Redis. They're kind of yep. like a dark gray and black, kind of a stiffer boot. Mm -hmm. um, I use those a fair bit this year. Um, and I would say they're okay. I don't know. I, I had them kind of start coming apart on me. They, you know, I, I'm, I can be kind of hard on boots. 
And then yeah. I also use those Scarpa Manta Techs. I use those when the weather got a little colder. They have a little insulation in them, but they're a pretty stiff boot. Um, and they have a little bit more warmth in them, but they're still trim. You know, they still fit really well and they, and they're not bulky and clunky. So I, I really prefer like a, a trim mountaineering style boot. And I, I kind of like synthetic, but those, um, the Scarpas have Perwanger in them. So it's kind of like a infused, I think it's like an infused leather and they've held up pretty well. Nice. Big fan yeah. of them, really. On that, on that sheep hunt, I used the Salewa Raven 3s. Have you seen those? I have, yes. Yeah, the boot itself, like, I like the fit and I like the stiffness. And they were pretty nimble, but, like, robust at the same time. But, man, the sides of those things freaking shredded in the rocks. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. Wonder what the wonder what the fabric was on those. Do you it's have kinda, an idea? No, it was kind of like a, I would equate it to not like a cordura, but like a cordura style, like tight on the sides. It, but it was like it had a little bit of texture to it, and I think that that's what its downfall was. Oh, okay. If it would have been stitched to where it was like slick, or to where it had a slick side, I don't think we would have had an issue. But it there's like a little bit of texture to the side of it and i think the rocks were just starting to just get a hold of that step by step like just a grabbing a little bit of it and yeah it's just like they're pretty frayed i should actually go out i haven't messed with them since that hunt i should go out and like just see how close i was to wearing through the side yeah yeah wear them till they they'll tell they fail yeah yeah and it was report, report back it was close i was i was pretty happy that we didn't you know, I didn't have to have them for another couple of days because they, I don't know. It, I don't think we were like too far from wearing through the side if we would have been going huh. through those scree slides. Interesting. Yeah, I'm a big fan of synthetic. Um, leather, I just, it, it tends to over time warp on me, stretch. Yeah. I, it loses its fitment. Um they're good. I mean, there's a lot of good leather boots out there, but I'm just not a huge fan. And I think synthetic can be, you know, way better if done right. But it's hard to, I mean, I think mountain boot companies are kind of getting into the process of building things like really solid now with synthetics. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, man, that's about, is there anything else you wanted to to dive into? Mm, boy. Not that I can think of. I guess a, an honorable mention that I'd like to throw out is um, I used a, a Western Mountaineering Antelope sleeping Ooh. bag this year. God, mm -hmm. I love that thing. It was one of those uh, one of those bags that just came in clutch for me when it got really cold. Yeah, they are like not even on the same like same playing field as a lot of other sleeping bags like when you hear that not all 15 degrees uh degree bags are created equal like that's one of them that's definitely not created as equal as a lot of the bags but uh we, yeah we did the same thing so here's kind of something interesting for what western mountaineering deal so i have a badger and mm -hmm. it has 
a left-handed zip. That's like a, I think it's a, maybe a 15 degree or, and then we were like, we got a double bag for backpacking this year and it was just a total pain in the ass and it wasn't very warm and whatever. So with Western Mountaineering, um, and I think a lot of other bags too, but for backpacking, I think that this is probably the best system we've found is Leah got the antelope bag this year too with her right hand zip. And so now we can zip the bags together. Zip them together. Yeah. Yeah. And then a lot of times what happens is like, I'll leave on like a Thursday or something and I'll be up there for a couple of nights before she gets there. So then I need my own sleeping bag. And then, um, after the weekend or whatever, if I'm going to stay up there and she leaves, like she, we just unzip our bags and then she can take all of her stuff with her. And, um, I'm not carrying a bunch of extra weight of double bag and, and all that stuff. So it's definitely, those bags are really kick-ass. Yeah. That's a good system. Yeah. They, they are. I mean, Stone Glacier makes a good bag as well. Um, I had a couple hunting partners, you know, pull those out of their stuff sacks this year and we're super happy with them. They're, a friend of mine, Brett Sang, he's just a great big guy. Um, he's just a monster when you're standing next to him. He uses, he loves this Stone Glacier just because it's so big. Like, I mean, he's big and they make it kind of big for bigger guys um or people i should say because mm-hmm. women use them all the time um but he he likes it just from the the room standpoint and you know that antelope is pretty trim if you're a, a great big person it would be tough to to squeeze into that thing but yeah there's some good options out there but yeah i'm with you western mountaineering makes an incredible sleeping bag and i'm glad i didn't burn it on my stove in my hot tent this year yeah, that's the only, that's the only thing they do. They do cost a lot, but I, uh, mm-hmm. gosh, I think that they're it, worth every penny. It was hard. Oh, sorry. No, you're good. I was just saying, I think they're, they're worth every penny. If you like, just know, like know what you're getting into as far as a down bag and know that they're just not indestructible. Yeah. And you know, this year I had a hard time finding one at a moment's notice it was like i just I, I bit the bullet and decided to find one try to buy one and they were out of stock in a lot of places like a lot of places i ended up finding one in a little mountaineering shop over in kalispell i i called them up and asked them if they had one in stock they were listed as a dealer and they said yes we have one and i nice. said will you ship it to my house and they're like yes we will <laughs> so yeah that worked out really well yeah, they're great. Like if you're going to do a lot of backpacking, especially later in the season, like they're a fantastic option. Pretty damn light. Gosh, that antelope was even, it's a five degree, I think. And it yep. was still like, was it a two pound bag? Yeah, it's something like that. Two pounds, yeah. three ounces. I don't remember exactly what the, the, the specs are, but yeah, it's super light. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, yeah. they're a pretty kick-ass option, I think. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of quilts. I mean, I love a quilt in early season, but once, once it gets cold and nasty, I, that, that, that bag comes out of the stuff sack. Yeah. Yeah. Break out a bigger bag. I don't, yep. I don't blame you at all, but sweet man. I think that's kind of all, that's kind of all I had for you. Yeah. Perfect. Sweet. Well, thanks Jordan. Yeah, man. It's good thanks. to catch up a little bit. Yeah, 